Welcome to Coffee with Dr. Stewart. I am your host, Kara Stewart-Mullins, and this show is to provide our listeners with up-to-date medical information from a leading neurotologist and nutrigenomic specialist. I invite you to sit back, grab your favorite beverage or cup of coffee, and let's have Coffee with Dr. Stewart. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to Coffee with Dr. Stewart. I am your host, Kara Stewart-Mullins, and, of course, the man of the half hour, Dr. Stewart. How are you? I'm doing great, Kara. We had snow today. I mean, I last night. That's right. Were you out playing in the snow? Not me, but I, <laughs> I sat in there with my coffee and watched my kids. Yeah, I saw your kids built a snowman. They sent <laughs> yeah, me a picture. They did. That for, for this time of year, that's some early snow for Texas. Yes, it is. I remember growing up in Dallas, we only had like, I had two snowmen in my whole lifetime, I think, <laughs> of being a child. Right. <laughs> it just didn't happen. Well, everybody, Dr. Stewart picked the show topic today. So we're going to be talking about autophagy. I'm going to spell it A-U-T-O-P-H-A-G-Y, autophagy. 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 Like auto. Auto. Mm-hmm. So this this topic is... Not a lot of people know about it. I don't really know anything about it. So Dr. Stewart's going to do most of the talking, but it's very important. And Dr. Stewart has some amazing things that he's been lecturing on about it. You're also going to be talking about it in our 2018 genetic workshop. Yes. Right? Teaching some providers about it because it's a game changer. Yes. Yes, it sure is. Okay. I'm going to do as I always do. I'm going to give you just what I found on the internet. There's not okay. a there's not a ton. I mean, there's lots of Wikipedia and medical mm. terms that, that are very hard to understand, but... Mm-hmm. You know, it, the gist of it all is that think of autophagy as our body's innate recycling program. Mm-hmm. It makes autophagy makes us more efficient machines to get rid of faulty parts, stop cancerous growths, and stop metabolic dysfunction like obesity and diabetes. Yeah. So basically, instead of saying our bodies, it's our cellular. Okay. It's our cellular recycling program. Okay. And so autophagy, uh, well, What's really sad about it is the medical community is not talking about it, but it won the Nobel Prize in medicine last year. Oh, I heard you say that. Mm-hmm. For what so, exactly? Uh, for autophagy discovery. Oh. Yeah, it was Dr. Onuri from uh, Japan. And um, basically, um, autophagy involves the ability of cells to actually keep themselves clean. So I like to think of cells as being small cities. Okay. And inside of a city, you know, everybody's going everywhere and people are driving different places. And that's exactly what goes on inside of a cell. We've got all kinds of things going on at once. And let's just imagine that um, we all produce trash. Okay. And let's imagine, we do. Let's, let's imagine that we don't have a, um, a trash uh, system in our in our. No city. one comes by and picks up your trash nope. cans. So basically there's a bunch of trash sitting around and eventually. Like New York City. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Eventually, if enough trash accumulates, then you're going to alter the way the cell functions. Right. And so autophagy uh, basically is the process that was discovered that essentially takes the dead and decaying parts of the cell. Mm -hmm. So imagine these are really important for cells that have to live a long time. So, for instance, skin cells, if I hurt my skin cells, I just slough them off and I just regrow them. Right. But things like the nervous system, the immune system, Mm -hmm. the pancreas, the liver, the kidneys – Things that have to live a long time and we can't really regenerate very well. We have to have a mechanism to keep that cell clean so it keeps working. Okay. And in particular in the nervous system and for the most part in the immune system, those are really important because they're trying to produce neurotransmitters. They're trying to respond to all types of signals. Okay. And so if we don't have a way to actually take all that junk that's accumulated from aging or from damage and essentially isolate it, dissolve it, and recycle the nutrition – and then spit out what we don't need. Recycled the nutrition? Mm-hmm. What do you mean? 
Meaning, so let's say we build a mitochondria, for instance. Okay. Mitochondria, mitochondria is the battery of the cell. Right. If that mitochondria dies, it's not going to do us any any good just sitting inside that cell. So we would essentially surround it with a little pocket. And that's autophagy. Well, that's the autophagosome. Okay. Okay. And then we take a little lysosome, which carries enzymes, puts it in there, dissolves the mitochondria away, and then all the good amino acids and fatty acids we just recycle into the cell. So the cell keeps using it. It doesn't want to waste all that good nutrition. So because the dead material in there will help, will make the cell function poorly. Correct. So I like to think of type 2 diabetes as the ultimate example because most people understand that. So in type 2 diabetes, it's called insulin resistance, okay. which means insulin is still there. It still binds to the cell and it tells the cell, hey, take in sugar, but the cell is just so um packed full of junk that uh-huh. it can't actually execute taking sugar in efficiently. Do. That's correct. Now, what's really interesting about this is that we uh, kind of learned this backwards. We actually had a medication that essentially uh, kind of led us to this discovery. And in fact, it's a really interesting story. Um, in 1964, um, a group of microbiologists went to Easter Island in the Pacific. Mm-hmm. And they gathered samples, and they wound up finding a form of streptomyces that actually, when they checked it, they didn't uh, see any fungus growing with it so they, or any fungal spores, so they thought they had a drug. Okay. So they sent it to the University of Toronto, and they jacked around for 30 years, wow. and they finally came out with a drug called rapamycin. I've heard you and say rapamycin that. And rapamycin is named after Rapa Nu, which is one of the Easter Islands. And this is a prescription. Mm-hmm. It's a prescription. Now... The thing is, they thought they had an antifungal, but when they really used it as an antifungal, it didn't work very good. But they found out if they put it in very high doses, it would suppress the immune system with very little um, side effects. In a good way? Mm-hmm. Okay. So the transplant surgeons all know about it because they were using high doses of rapamycin uh, to su- suppress the immune system. Why so, they were doing the transplants. Mm-hmm, after transplants to keep the body from rejecting okay. it. And so what happened is some Japanese scientists picked it up and started studying it. And what they found was autophagy. They found out that there was this special system, which is now known as the mTOR system. Okay. And that stands for mammalian target of rapamycin. Okay. And basically that's the the control center for how hard a cell is working. So when we get stressed or when we're sick or when we have something that's really um, stressful on the body, our cells go into overdrive and they start working really hard. Uh-huh. And by working really hard, they produce a lot of byproducts. Right. You understand? So in essence, people whose cells are working harder are actually creating more byproducts and in essence aging the cell much quicker. Okay. So autophagy actually turns off in that situation. What, because the cell's mm-hmm. so damaged? So, well, no. It's just because the cell is so busy doing other things. I like to tell people if you're running hard, going to work, and you're stressed out, it's Christmas, you're cooking for everybody, you don't have time to clean your closet. So, so what happens is if um, – but if you have vacation and right. you're relaxed, then you might go and clean your closet. So uh, what we actually use, what we know is rapamycin in low doses actually slows down the mTOR system. And when you do that, it's it's basically an anti-aging process. It slows the cell down. So the autophagy can And take so all place. of a sudden the cell says, ah, I'm now I'm relaxed, so I'm going to actually turn on autophagy and I'm going to clean house. Very good. Good way to put, because <laughs> I didn't know anything about this coming into it. I've heard you speak very, you know, a couple lectures recently. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm curious about the Nobel Peace Prize. I mean, mm-hmm. why? It's not a Peace Prize. It's the I mean, medicine. the Nobel Medicine Prize. Yeah. So why did 
they were the ones that came up with the term. So this is not a medical term that's been around for it's a It's a medical long. term. It's Latin. Autophagy means uh, auto or yourself, self-eating. Uh-huh. Okay. So you're eating things inside your cells. Makes sense. Okay. But how, how does this correlate with, because we're always talking about glutathione and toxins. And so yeah. how does autophagy and autophagy what glutathione how, does? Well, glutathione gets rid of chemicals. Metallothionines gets rid of gets rid of uh, heavy metals. In the cells or in just the in cells, the body? Inside of cells. Okay. And then this gets rid of broken parts. Of the cell. Of the cell. Or the mitochondria. Dissolves them away so that they don't junk the cell up because the cell has an architecture to it. It's, right. If I have a big pile of trash in the middle of Westlake Drive, nobody's <laughs> going to drive down there. Right. Do you understand? Yeah. So you really mess up the flow. Well, can I mention something about sure. the rapamycin? Because sure. you've been on it. Yeah. Because you... Let's let's mention the gene that you you look at. So there's so, a whole bunch of genes, but the one that we And they have, are going to be on our genetic test coming up. Correct. All right. So what's happening now is we're trying to take all this basic science stuff and apply it to people. Okay. Okay. Now what's really interesting about autophagy is we're finding out that the oncologist uh, figured out it was pretty involved in cancer pretty quickly. In fact, what happens in most cancers is the mTOR system is turned up. Oh. which means cancers grow fast. And, so, and no autophagy takes right. place. But well, now we're actually able to link it to all the neurological diseases of aging, Alzheimer's, dementia, Parkinson's, Lou Gehrig's disease, um, multiple sclerosis. And so in general what's happening, and we're linking it to all types of autoimmune-based diseases, so oh, all wow. of a sudden we have this new frontier that mm-hmm. in essence is able to open our eyes to ways that we could actually reverse some of these diseases instead of just supporting people. Or as never getting in trouble with them. Very possibly. I mean, we're not quite at that level right. yet, but that's what we're thinking. Well, well, there's probably not enough studies out there yet. No, to, not at all. To do it. And, you know, and there are also very well-known natural things, which we'll talk about in the second half of this, but um, natural things that can help autophagy. But in general, um, understanding and keeping your cells clean is a very simple concept for people to understand. Right. If you really stop to think about it. And so what happened is we always thought that – so. Let me back up. 75% of my patients, as a general rule, and I see sick people, Mm -hmm. um, when I look at their genetics, I put the right nutrition into them. They rock it to health. They feel great. They go out and tell everybody this is fantastic. Right. And everybody goes about their way happy. Then there's this 25% that no matter what we seem to do, Mm -hmm. they just don't get better. Right. Or they languish and they're like, why, why am I not getting better? And as a doctor, you're thinking, why are these people not getting better? Right. Why aren't they like it's frustrating. The 75%? And so they take up all my time. These are the 25% of people that really just I lay awake in bed at night thinking about. Right. Well, all of a sudden we realized that these people all had autophagy genes. Oh, they were mutated. On- well, so what was happening is their autophagy was defective. Okay. And so what was happening is we were giving the nutrition to the people appropriately, but because the cell couldn't either take it in or process it properly, right? they were not getting the response from the nutrition because the cell was junked up. So therefore, autophagy wasn't taking place. Correct. And okay. so those are the people. So what we're now doing and we're in the process of doing is stimulating their autophagy mm-hmm. through various mechanisms, and it seems that they are starting to get better. And okay. when you start talking about Alzheimer's, Lou Gehrig's recovery. Huge. It's, I mean, you're talking Parkinson's recovery. You're talking huge, huge, wow. huge things. That is huge. Mm-hmm. Well, let me ask you this. So there's, I know on the 55 genomics report that you mm-hmm. created, there is one autophagy gene. Yeah, it's the ATG16L1. 
And what does that do? It's just one part of the autophagy process. So all the autophagy genes, there's probably about 25 of them that we know right now. Um, we're trying to figure out which ones are the clinically important ones. Okay. Seems to be ATG5, ATG16L1, and, you know, and various other parts of it. But And they give funny names to some of them, like Smurf and... Yeah, that's on the report coming up. (laughs) I guess the scientists, yeah, the scientists are kind of bored sitting in their lab. (laughs) It stands for something. It always (laughs) does. Sure it does, but, you know, and it's easy to remember, so we don't mind it. But in general, um, what you're really looking for is how can we tell who needs to be treated and who doesn't. Okay. Especially when you're talking about prescriptives, because the thing about rapamycin is rapamycin in low doses appears to be pretty pretty safe, uh-huh. but there are lots of people we won't use it in yet because we just don't know it's safe, like reproductive age women. Right. You know, I, I lived through the thalidomide age. You know, we what had that? friends that were born in the 1960s without, with small arms. Have oh, you seen those people? right, right. And that was due to thalidomide, which was a drug that was used back oh, then. Oh, I didn't know that. So there are certain people that we just don't feel comfortable using these types well, of Well, that's why you always try it first. Well, and I always try it because <laughs> what I did is I took my worst patients and put them on it first. I mean, if you have Alzheimer's or progressive dementia or Lou Gehrig's, right. you know, there's... You, you, you have really, to try something. You really don't have much option. And what have you found so far? So it, it appears to be slowing the disease progression pretty significantly. Now, we've only, more time. We've only been working on it about four to five months now. And I did take it myself for three months. And what was really interesting is that my, Your hair, hair. <laughs> my hair started turning darker. Yeah, yeah. If anybody hadn't seen a picture of Dr. Stewart, he's, he has got gray, white hair. And he has black hair now sprouting. Not, black, Not total whatever. black, but black, black hair sprouting a lot in the back yeah. and in the top. I'm looking at you right yeah. now. So, why, you know, gray hair is an autophagy-based process. So would you assume that gray-haired men or women walking around there would have an autophagy issue? Very likely. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Especially if they grade early. Right, like you. Yeah. And so... Um, you and, love talking about that, well, don't sure. you? <laughs> and what also happened to me, and, and this is just anecdotal because it doesn't prove anything, but my vision did clear up. In fact, my vision went back to about 2010. Wow. And, and then your hair started to revert back to the... The color. Uh, and then my, my tinnitus actually went away. You're ringing which is really in your ears? Mm-hmm. And so... You know, we suspect that probably ma- we know that macular degeneration is an autophagy process. Right. We know that. Well, we suspect that uh, suspect. hearing loss, progressive hearing loss um, of aging, is probably an autophagy process. Wow, you just so. gave us a lot of information. So we got to go to break, but I want to talk to you a little bit more about this anti-aging thing and um, a little bit more um, about some other uh, nutritional elements that could help with autophagy. So we'll be right back with Coffee with Dr. Stewart. Even before your brother-in-law, a.k.a. Mr. Butterfingers, dropped your favorite stemware at your dinner party, you were nervous. You want a flawless evening, from the perfect pesto to the puff pastries. And so far, you're succeeding. Still, as the smiling faces envelop your heart, you wonder, do your guests know that you used to suffer from fatigue and anxiety? That with a simple genetic test from your doctor, you can now manage these issues and know exactly what nutrients you need to be healthy? You understand because your best friend shared the knowledge of genomics nutrition, the gene test that shows how you're built genetically. Now you no longer waste your time and money on guessing which nutrients you need and don't need to feel better. Right now though, you need to find your broom. 
Visit MyDNA123.com to find a healthcare provider near you for genomics nutrition testing. That's MyDNA123.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration and are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Welcome back, everybody, to episode three on season four. We are talking about this amazing topic. I had no idea how interesting it was called autophagy. Mm -hmm. Dr. Stewart, so in the first half, we talked about what it was, the recycling system of the cells, right? right? That's Mm -hmm. kind of the easy term. Right. Um, We talked about some genetic mutations that you've Mm -hmm. been looking at. We talked about uh, some prescriptions. The rapamycin that's been used. And there's also other prescriptions being developed, especially in the cancer world. Okay. That are very similar to rapamycin. They're basically called mTOR inhibitors. Okay. And so mTOR inhibitors are going to be used in certain forms of cancer, in particular clear cell cancers, which are like... It's a clear cell cancer. They occur in the ovary and the kidney and other places. They... They're just a type of cancer that's a little bit different. Okay. And so they're called solid tumors. And basically those type of tumors uh, have a lot of mTOR activity. And there's not a lot of success with standard chemotherapy with them. Right. So so there's a lot of um, interest in how we can actually modify those patients. Do you just read all the time? No, I just (laughs) see a lot of patients. (laughs) And you have that photographic memory because you you know so much. I'm like, where did this come from? Well, you know, when you get on a topic, obviously you can tell I'm pretty fired up about it. Oh, I knew you were because you were lecturing to a group of doctors. There was like 300 in the room and you were... You brought up autophagy, and I saw your face light up. Like it used to be, you know, methylation was like the... Well, yeah. So what happened is I've always challenged doctors. You remember I had three primary principles of healing. Right. There was inflammation control, and then there's methylation, and then there's mitochondrial function, and detox kind of falls under mitochondrial function. And now there appears to be a fourth step, and that's autophagy consideration. So we got to change all of our materials? Well, the answer is maybe. <laughs> yeah. Because, uh, if you really out. think that's the fourth step Well, the recovery. problem is, is that the first ones, are, you're involving nutritional or prescriptive or, you know, um, over-the-counter methodologies, but if the cell is not able to respond to those, you're not right. going to accomplish it. So the thing is, the cell, we never thought that the cell maybe was the problem. Okay. Instead of saying... We're putting in the right nutrition, but if the cell can't take it in and use it, we're in trouble. But like you said, 25% of your patients were not responding to right. the methylation protocol, to the mitochondrial, right? you know, because they can't take it because the cells just went so stuffed with junk. That's exactly right. I mean, that, I wish we could just, if people would put articles out like that, because it would make a lot more sense. Sure. You need to write one. Sure. Um, well, then let's talk about, okay, so... You get the patient's genetic report because mm-hmm. you, this is stuff you're going to be teaching at the 2018 genetic workshop. Sure. Tell us what you're going to tell these providers on on the new. Well, what happened name. is, um, you know, I get lucky. I run into different uh, professors and ex professors and physicians who have experience in this area, and I did run into uh, Dr. Koshel from uh, Florida. Right, and nice his, guy. And Dr. Koshel is an ophthalmologist, and he had been working on macular degeneration and. Macular degeneration is an autophagy problem, and his lab at the University of Florida had uh, previously worked on ways to stimulate autophagy. Oh, wow. And so we learned that, obviously, rapamycin was very effective at helping that, but we also learned that there are many things that are natural that can actually help help people, okay? And that that natural way to help people, most people know that um, if we can exercise, we will... Essentially, nobody knew exactly why exercise worked, 
But it turns out that exercise is a major mTOR inhibitor mm-hmm. and actually can help you clean your cells. The problem is if you're too far gone, you don't feel like exercise. You're too tired. Too tired. And right. my patients are sick and they want to exercise, but good luck. It's, it's just like not me. I want to exercise, but it just, just wears me like out. It. Okay. <laughs> we did find out that uh, at least 12-hour fasting helps. Right. So if you, if, eat, you, yeah. if you eat dinner at 7, try not to eat till 7 o'clock the next morning. Or it says like, you know, don't eat till 11 and then stop eating at 7. Yeah, and some people, a 16-hour fasting is what they you push. You skip breakfast, which I do, but then... Right. And so that that's also falls in the calorie restriction area. So a lot right. of people who have autophagy defects, uh, they pretty much push high-fat, low-carb, low-protein diets. Right. The uh, protein thing got me. Like, it says high-protein will will inhibit autophagy. Yes. Yeah, so what happens is you're asking the cell to process a lot. So all these bodybuilders and people out there, I mean, they probably ha- have healthy autophagy so they can eat these high, high-protein diets? No, nope, they have bad autophagy. Then how but do they remember, get... it's genetically, genetically programmed into you. Okay. So the problem is, if you know as bodybuilders, as as they get older, many of them are not very healthy at all. No, they're yeah, they not. And they pass, just like athletes, like uh, NFL football players, for instance. And I'm not saying that this is the reason. All of them, yeah. Okay. But I'm telling you, they're because they're large men, they produce a lot of byproducts, they've used a lot of things, their life, their average lifespan is 58. You think their autophagy starts to shut down? I certainly less think that, and... that, that, that a lot of things contributed to that but we're these are just questions that we ask ourselves that you we, we need to figure ultimately, out ultimately if we help if we help them and we have genetic ways to identify that there's a problem then we ought to be able to help so obviously injury plays a big role in in uh, making cells work too hard and progressing um, autophagy weakness okay. and so you know we're just trying to put our hands around this thing and understand now as far as the natural things that help What's really interesting is there are many natural things that a lot of people know are good for them, like curcumin, turmeric, catechins, which come from green tea, um, berberine. Catechin, is that, what is that? From green tea. But it's in one of our products. Sure it is. Which one is it? NRF2. The NRF2 sod enhancer. Okay. So basically, a lot of these different products, um, we knew they were beneficial. We just didn't understand the whole thing. We thought that they helped glutathione production, which they do. Mm-hmm. But it turns out they're actually autophagy stimulators, too. So the NRF2 sod enhancer, you made that for something else, but it turns, which happens a lot. You make it for something else, and it turns out to help something well, else. It has dual roles. Dual roles. Yeah. Okay. And so obviously curcumin is a wonderful thing, and many people know that. But we didn't realize that it had these dual ro- roles until we really understood what autophagy was. So, yeah, curcumin's excellent for you. Okay. Uh, Atticins are outstanding for you. Resveratrol. And that's all in the NRF, too. Well, and that resveratrol comes from what red wine. We right. We know a lot of people who drank red wine did well. Well, we didn't know why. Right. You understand? <laughs> is so, that why I do so well? Because exactly. I drink red wine. So, yeah, the answer is possibly. Okay. <laughs> so what's happening is the neatest thing about this is that science is not static. Right. You know, and you think you know it all and you all of a sudden learn you don't. And if you don't keep an open mind and understand and always try to progress it, you're just going to be left behind. Well, give me, tell us about the, so the NRF2 sod we covered back with the glutathione episode, yeah, that, but yeah. how, how does it help with the autophagy? Because we talked about the leucine zipper and. Yeah, so it helps the leucine zipper to help glutathione production and all the, the cleansing mechanism right. of the cell, but it also is an autophagy stimulator. And what so can it do for autophagy? It blocks the mTOR system or calms the cell down. So it has the opportunity to 
correct. So curcumin, in essence, tells the cell to relax, clean itself, you know, just calm yourself down. Right. It's, a lot of people tout it as an anti-inflammatory because it calms immune cells. Okay. You understand? And so the thing is, is that... And this is an inflammation control. Yes. Okay. Autophagy is involved in inflammation, meaning when you have a cell that's inflaming, which is the immune system, mm -hmm. that cell is working overtime, producing a lot of secondary uh, byproducts. Okay. And so autoimmune diseases are basically autophagy at Related. risk diseases. Now, what about, so the ProGAD, you know, that's our latest formula for anxiousness and mm -hmm. relaxation. You, you're telling, you're saying calm down. You're talking about the cells. You're not talking, talking about, about physically. Cells. No, you don't want to talk about the physical. This you're, is all about the cell. The itself. cell itself. Okay. I just want to make sure I'm right. on the same page with that. Well, then talk about what you're going to, like I said, what are you going to teach these, these providers at the workshop? How to look at the genetic mutations? Well, and to understand the treatment. I mean... All providers who do uh, nutrigenomics and nutritional medicine or, or functional medicine right. um, or even people who are, um, well, I would hope that all doctors eventually will get to this point where they actually nutritionally, all patients are interested in nutrition for their body. Absolutely. And so in order to understand, uh, there's nothing more frustrating than taking a nutritional product and not getting the benefit from it. Or you don't know if you need it. And and you feel like you've wasted your time and your money, well, in the really sick people, that's a really big challenge because you may be given exactly the right supplement, but if the autophagy is not right in that cell, right, then the supplement's not going to work. So I think um, I have autophagy consideration at number four right now. Okay, because in the healing process. Right, because we're doing it on a clinical perspective. Let's take your inflammation out. Let's put the nutrition in, and if you don't respond... Let's go look at autophagy. Hopefully with genetics, okay. autophagy consideration may actually be moved to number one. Wow. Because if we can't get that cell to respond to even the anti-inflammatory processes we're asking it to do, mm -hmm. then we're wasting our time. How many genes are going to be on, on our genetic panel for genomics? Well, you know, we're expanding those genetic panels into kind of sub-panels. Right. We're probably going to have at least 12 of them right now. 12 autophagy genes? Mm -hmm. Really? Yes. Wow, that's a lot. You got yeah. a lot of um, <laughs> mm -hmm. a lot of work to do, and well, the work's uh, being done by great scientists that are out there. I always tell people I didn't do any of this, you know, this great work, but my job is um, basically to pay attention and to assimilate it and hopefully bring it to the public. Okay. You know. Well, and so as a with efficient autophagy, it says your body's internal cleansing mechanism, your stem cells retain the ability to maintain and repair your tissues. Correct. So stem cells is a big hot topic. That's our next episode. Sure. So, so how does autophagy correlate with that? Well, obviously a stem cell, when you're putting it in, you're asking it to convert to the cells that have been damaged or right. are weak in that particular area. So what what's important about that is you want to know what the stem cells autophagy genes are. Mm -hmm. And so... In theory, we're actually going to be able to, in stem cell um, therapies, we're going to be able to tell who's going to be more successful at it and who's going to be less successful ah. at it based on their autophagy genes. Well, that leads to our next show. Mm -hmm. So <laughs> I'm going to leave it with that, everybody. Um, very interesting. I mean, this is fascinating. I didn't know anything about it until I started reading yesterday, and I've heard yep. you talk about it. But I think you're onto something, or every the scientist and Nobel and all that are onto something very sure. 
Very big here. Big, big, big. Big game changer. Well, everybody, I'm so glad that you joined us today. Please check out our next episode. If you have questions, please email info at neurobiologics.com or you can call us at 866-500-5388. And I hope everybody has a beautiful and blessed day. Thank you. This show is intended for general information and entertainment purposes only. Dr. Stewart serves as the chief science officer and lead formulator for neurobiologics and advises you to consult with your own medical professional on any information given during this programming. This information is not intended to diagnose, treat, or cure any disease or medical condition.